0: Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker.
1: Okay, uh, here, here's, a, here's a joke that I always like to t- uh, tell at parties, just to kind of kind of break the ice and kind of get every, everybody feeling comfortable. Okay, it's, it's, it's a riddle, okay. Um, why didn't Hitler drink alcohol? Okay, because it made him mean.
2: I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that equips you to win your next dinner party.
0: Our icebreaker this week came from none other than America's Paradise Laureate, Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. I made that up, Paradise Laureate. That's nice. Is that an
2: elected position?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're nominated for life. Uh, Coming up, artist Chris Burden, A Short Wedding, A Scottish Canal, Sushi Ritos, and The Words That Maketh Murder. But first, The Words That Maketh Small
2: Talk. So, Brendan, the headlines this week were all about aging tigers giving one more roar. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Yes, metaphorically. (laughs) All right. Uh, For example, Egyptian President Mubarak spent all week roaring about not stepping down, And then he did. And Egypt's hair dye industry is poor for it. Yeah, he hasn't had one gray hair well into his 80s. I'm not sure I buy it. Uh, Also, the old video game hit Guitar Hero made headlines one last time
0: because Activision announced it's going to stop making it. Somewhere, Foghat is quietly mourning the loss of 95% of its royalties. It's a sad day in Foghat There, there, Foghat. And uh, finally, AOL made some noise, just
2: when you thought they'd gone the way of Netscape and, and Raze Was it that weird dial-up noise? Exactly,
0: they, they, <laughs> f- they fired up their 28 baud modems to tell the world they'd purchased the Huffington Post. Man, as soon as that 28 Connection takes in about four hours, I will tell everyone about that. In the meantime, here's the staff of Marketplace to tell you some things to talk about at this weekend's dinner party. (laughs) Jeff Tyler, reporter for Marketplace. What story are you going to be talking about this weekend? I'm going to be talking about extremely rich men kicking each other. Are you, is this maybe about um, the line at Starbucks in Greenwich in the morning?
1: <laughs> no, this is a soccer game between Manchester United and Manchester City, the most expensive game in history. The payroll for these two
0: teams combined is $850 million. That sounds like a lot for soccer, but isn't that like A-Rod's salary? Well, actually, if you took the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox and combined their salaries, it would only add up to $380 million. So at least here in America, we have our priorities straight. Exactly. Ethan Lindsay, producer
2: of the Marketplace Morning Report. What story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Uh, I'm going to be talking about
1: a pool in the UK that's found a new way to pay for the heating bills. Which is? They're going to take the excess heat from a crematorium next door. And, uh, and heat the pool that way. <laughs> They're going to save about uh, $750,000 over the next
0: 25 years. by. Uh, Should I make a joke about body temperature water? I shouldn't, right? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Matt Berger, senior web producer for Marketplace, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, a scientist in Sydney, Australia, said he's come up with a real-life thinking cap. <laughs> I hope it's as cool looking as a Kango hat or something. Well, not really, but the way it works is it suppresses the left side of your brain by zapping it with electricity so that you can stimulate the creative right side of your brain. So basically, students who party and suppress their brains are actually stimulating their own creativity. Yeah, so maybe the original thinking caps the beer helmet. And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a fire extinguisher, except instead of chemical foam, it sprays
2: booze. I don't know if that's really practical. It's not at all, but it's fun.
0: (laughs) All right, anyway, here's your Valentine's Day-appropriate history. This week back in 1863, Charles Sherwood Stratton was married.
2: Now your dinner guests might guess he was royalty or something, and he was in the showbiz sense. Our friend Michelle Philippi is here with the story.
3: In 1863, a little wedding made big news. The groom was Charles Stratton. He'd been born a healthy American kid, but by age five, he was barely two feet tall. That caught the eye of a neighbor, P.T. Barnum, a connoisseur of, quote, human oddities. Barnum taught Stratton to sing and imitate Napoleon. Then he took his act on the road as General Tom Thumb. Tom was a hit, especially after Barnum wangled him an audience with Queen Victoria herself. High society welcomed Tom into the fold, and years later, when he announced he was marrying another of Barnum's troop of dwarfs, the frenzy began. New York's upper crust showered the couple with wedding gifts. Outside the church, an army of cops held back a crowd of thousands. Afterwards, President Lincoln threw Mr. and Mrs. Thumb a honeymoon party at the White House. It was the marriage of the century. Now, some said the whole thing was just another Barnum freak show, but Tom and his bride were really in love. He was with her till the day he died. He's now buried near Barnum in a Connecticut cemetery. His gravestone's around 20 feet tall.
0: So that's the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with John Gennetti. He is the owner of 116 Crown, which is in New Haven, Connecticut. John, you heard the story. What cocktail did it inspire you to make?
1: Uh, making something called the 4th & Clyde.
0: The 4th & Clyde. What, what is the 4th & Clyde?
1: Well, the 4th & Clyde is named after a Scottish canal. Okay. And we chose that because since canals connect and we're celebrating the union of two people.
0: <laughs> that's very sweet. And,
1: <laughs> and is it a little canal by chance? Ge- geographically, it's pretty small.
0: Ah, oh, perfect. So what's in the cocktail?
1: Uh, we have an ounce of each of the following liquors. Hendricks Gin, which is Scottish, which uh, explains the name of the, the Scottish canal. Okay. Maker's Mark Bourbon. Uh, St. Germain elderflower liqueur. And then we do a bar spoonful of local honey, so you can sort of give it that uh, local flair. The
0: distinct character, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And then um, a pinch of chili flakes. And you have to stir that together warm, because you need the honey to dissolve within the, the, the other ingredients. Uh-huh. And then you shake it over ice, double strain it into a cocktail glass, chilled cocktail glass.
0: Now, I'm assuming you card people at your bar to make sure they're the right age. (laughs) I'm just wondering what would happen if Tom Thumb came into your bar.
1: Uh, You know, height is not the best indicator. Usually their demeanor is. And Tom seemed pretty, uh, he seemed like a pretty confident guy, judging by the way he lived his life. So he he (laughs) probably would, would slip right under the radar for us.
2: So, Brendan, Tom Thumb. And Abe Lincoln.
0: That's like a whole act right there.
2: (laughs) It's an interesting picture, two extremes of stature.
0: That's right, and it seems like for one day at least, Washington, D.C. actually was a circus. Right. (laughs)
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it's a
0: 24-7
2: circus on our website. It is dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is artist Chris Burden. He made a huge impact on the art world with his often disturbing performance art in the 70s. Over the last many years, he's moved on to spectacular large-scale installations. His latest is Metropolis Two, kind of a miniature city to be installed in uh, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. And Chris, welcome. Oh, thank you. And we are here in your studio looking at this thing, which is enormous. Can you kind of describe its dimensions and what it looks like?
4: Yes, its footprint is 20 by 30 feet. It's about 10 feet high. It looks kind of like a jungle gym of steel tubing. And affixed to all these uh, levels are roadways, railroad tracks, and skyscrapers. When the sculpture is running, 1,100 Hot Wheel-type cars circulate through the whole system At a scale speed of 240 miles an hour. Is there a reason why you picked 240 miles an hour, by the way? No, it was just something we... We tried to make the cars go as fast as we could without having them fly off the roadways, which is wonderful. Uh, I look forward to traveling in my car at those speeds.
2: I know, it sounds like the most fun thing that you could do as an artist. It's like, let's see how fast we can get these little cars to go. It's something I've wanted to do since I was four.
4: Yeah, but it's also a model for the future, how fast we could go. If uh, every car was satellite controlled and we all had a digital slot, we could effectively travel 10 times faster on surface streets. Do you want to see that happen? Oh, yes, I do. Absolutely. We take all the stress of uh, commuting away.
2: Or make it incredibly stressful because things would be going so freaking fast.
4: No, no, you would be in a private railroad car you wouldn't be allowed to accelerate, pass on blind corners, run stop signs. In fact, there wouldn't even need need to be uh, traffic signals. The high-speed traffic would weave itself like, like Do you know what I'm saying? Every intersection would just be timed so no car would hit each other, but they could go through and just miss each other.
2: It sounds wonderful. It also, though, I can imagine an art critic saying, that sounds really fascist. It's like, basically, we're not going to have control of our individual cars. We're going to give somebody else the power to
4: decide when and how these things go. Uh, Don't forget your California handbook. Driving is a privilege, not a right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but basically, this and a lot of your installations are huge toys, which is a big change from your early performance art, where you were shot, you were literally crucified on a Volkswagen. You go from that to basically playing. What caused that shift?
4: No, I don't think there is a real shift. I don't think this is that much different from the piece on the Volkswagen. What is the relationship a man to machine? mankind to machine. It's ambivalent. We have two questions that we ask everyone on this show.
2: The first question is, if we were to meet you at a dinner party, what question should we not
4: ask you? Well, I'm not sure you shouldn't ask me, but the thing, I think the shoot performance has been asked, what's it like to be shot? For those who don't know, in shoot,
2: you were shot in the arm with a rifle in an art gallery. I learned about this in a basic art history class, and I probably thought about it at least a couple of times a year, every year since,
4: for like 20 years. Does it surprise you that, you know, people wonder about it? It's a very powerful image. No, not at all. It's a dragon that everybody subconsciously has dealt with. You see it depicted in the entertainment industry over and over and over. So what is this dragon? And I think it was a scientific and a philosophical position to to face it head on. So I don't feel too bad asking, what was it like? It was like a a Mack Freightliner hitting you in the arm. Hmm. Well, our
2: second question is kind of the converse. Tell us something we don't know, either about yourself or the
4: world, that would surprise people
2: at a dinner party.
4: Well, if I had another life to leave, I'd love to be uh, Evangelist the uh, preacher. A preacher? Yeah, a preacher. I think it's very lucrative feel, and I think the overhead's really low, too. I think you might have a hard
2: time starting that career since you had yourself crucified on a Volkswagen earlier in your life. I don't know. I
4: think uh, if I chose to, I could, but. Why don't you? What's keeping you, man? I'm an artist. <laughs> And Brendan, you may have
2: noticed I did not have him fire up the sculpture so I could record the little car zooming around. I did know I, I wondered how you resisted. Well, he is in the middle of breaking down the piece uh-huh. and shipping it to the museum, which is going to take three months, by the way. How do you know? How do it you was, know that's not the art? Well, That's <laughs> true. I had not, I had not considered that. You
0: know, it's a performance art piece in which he ships art for three months. You know. it's, that is doubly artistic. It's like a club sandwich made of art. Ladies and gentlemen, send pictures of club sandwiches and your own performance art uh, to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash dinner party download. So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for
2: the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. Look out, Korean taco. I have one word for you. Tacos everywhere shaking in their boots. I
0: lied. It's actually two words. All right. Sushi plus burrito equals sushi-rito. sushi Good God! It's the, <laughs> it's the new fusion kid on the scene, and its dazzling palettes from San Francisco to Los Angeles. When will when will it end? I'm pretty sure it's... fusion food will end when it merges with other fusion food, <laughs> and it, and, the, and the food becomes their original cuisine again. It just comes all the way around. It's like a cycle. That's but I'm guessing a, that was a rhetorical question. That
2: is correct. What what is your
0: story? <laughs> There's this guy in L.A. named Yo Proteato, and he sells sushi rito's out of his food truck which is named Yogasaki. All right. And I tracked him down and I asked him the obvious question.
5: Why? It is really necessary. What do people say when they normally when they see that on your menu? They're like, "Sushi burrito. What is it?" you know? So all I got to do is just shout it out loud with my heart. You got spicy tuna, crab meat, avocado, cucumber and shrimp tempura inside, wrapped with soy paper. Everybody's like, "Whoa. Okay. That's good, <laughs> so
0: it's sold. Burritos are these really big food items, and sushi-grade fish is kind of expensive. How can you afford to sell these things for seven bucks?
5: Well, to be honest with you, the only one reason I can tell you, my math is sucks.
1: What do you mean your
5: math sucks? Yeah, because I don't really count it too much, but I mean, I'm happy. Because for me, as a chef, you know, being able to create a smile on in in my customer face while they're enjoying my food is like a blessing for me.
0: Well, I'm ready to try one. Um, while you're getting it ready, I am going to go to talk to some of your customers in line. So, okay, can I get your name? Sure, it's Zach Brooks. So, Zach, you have to admit, this is a pretty jarring juxtaposition, right? Does jarring mean awesome? I, when I heard about this, I was like, yeah, I mean, how could that be bad? Well, I could tell you. Um, <laughs> like, sushi is generally like an elegant, kind of sophisticated meal, and a burrito is like a big, messy gut bomb. I mean, isn't the collision of these two cultures a little bit galling? The Nagasaki. The Yogasaki burrito. The Yogasaki. That's the signature burrito here. It's actually amazing. I defy anybody to tell me this thing is bad. Uh, and then you can either get eel or tempura. I mean, just even that idea of like a big burrito filled with eel, that sounds almost like a nightmare. No, dude, what do you. If, if, just think about the texture. that I feel like that would be biting into someone's arm or something. Like, that sounds like cannibalism. If those are nightmares, then I welcome Freddy Krueger into my life because. This thing, I'm gonna make you take a bite of it. I don't know if it. Well, I've actually got one waiting for me, but thanks. And uh, thanks for talking to me. All right, I'm waiting for the food. Oh my goodness, what, what is that? What's next? gonna be your appetizer. Okay, and it looks like a pile of tortillas with, I'm
5: guessing that's gonna be some sort of fish on it, right? You know what, actually, I got you full, okay? This is spicy tuna on top of Doritos chips. <laughs> with, avocado and, with avocado and some eel sauce.
0: Is that something you sell here?
5: Yep. <laughs> You know what? Somehow, just one night, I was just uh, watching NFL football, and then you get the Doritos chip. But I see my spicy tuna left. I just chomped on it, and like, oh, my God, it's good.
0: And then what do we, what do we have there?
5: What I have over here is in one of my top sale. It's called Jogasaki Burrito Number 1.
0: Okay, so this is your signature sushi burrito.
5: Yes, it is. What I have inside is spicy tuna combined with crab meat, avocado and cucumber, and barbecue eel. All
0: right, I'm going to have to go for it, so hold on for a second. Right, mmm. it. Mm, really... It's really good. I, I have to be honest with you. I wanted to think it was just a gimmick, but this is actually pretty delightful.
5: Thank you, Judge.
2: <laughs> so, Brendan, I have to ask, how many times have we run a story where you are totally skeptical going into it, <laughs> and then you end up thinking the food is awesome?
0: Well, see, it sounds like that because our lawyers yeah. won't let us air the pieces where I spit out food and get punched in the <laughs> face.
2: <laughs> I would love to hear that. I,
0: I have a feeling you would. I'll make a special mix for you.
2: And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. Thanks this time
0: to Jackson Musker, Robbie Carmen, and Peter Clowney. And now we leave you with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner party. P.J. Harvey has a
2: new album coming out next week. It's called Let England Shake. Here's a track from it. It's called The Words That Maketh Murder. Bonneth apetiteth.
3: i seen them done things I want to forget i seen soldiers fall out. The nerves were shot.
4: you
0: Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Hey guys. Hey Jackson. Hey man. You know how you're always complaining that you're not regarded as real artists? Yeah. Uh huh. There you go.